0: I I don't O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Saturday, July 31st. Shabbat Shalom. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north, even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph, There were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is 20 minutes every day of pure Scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures, and from the New Living Translation for the Bread Hadashah. Today we finish up the Torah portion, Ekev, and it means, On the Heel of. Deuteronomy 11, 11 11-25 The land you are about to cross into and possess, a land of hills and valleys, soaks up its water from the rains of heaven. It is a land which Hashem your God looks after, on which Hashem your God always keeps His eye from year's beginning to year's end. If, then, you obey the commandments that I enjoin upon you this day, loving Hashem your God and serving Him with all your heart and soul, I will grant the rain for your land in season, the early rain and the late. You shall gather in your new grain and wine and oil. I will also provide grass in the fields for your cattle, and thus you shall eat your fill. Take care not to be lured away to serve other gods and bow to them. For Hashem's anger will flare up against you and He will shut up the sky so that there will be no rain and the ground will not yield its produce and you will soon perish from the good land that Hashem is assigning to you. Therefore, impress these words upon your very heart. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them serve as a symbol on your forehead. And teach them to your children, reciting them when you stay at home and when you are away when you lie down and when you get up, and inscribe them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, to the end that you and your children may endure in the land that HaShem swore to your fathers to sign to them, as long as there is a heaven over the earth. If then you faithfully keep all this instruction that I command you, loving HaShem your God, walking in all His ways and holding fast to Him, HaShem will dislodge before you all these nations. You will dispossess nations greater and more numerous than you. Every spot on which your foot treads shall be yours. Your territory shall extend from the wilderness to the Lebanon and from the river, the Euphrates, to the western sea. No man shall stand up to you. HaShem, your God, will put the dread and fear of you over the whole land in which you set foot, as He promised you. Second Chronicles 29, 1-36 Hezekiah became king at the age of twenty-five, and he reigned twenty-nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Aviah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing to Hashem, just as his father David had done. He, in the fourth month of the first year of his reign, opened the doors of the house of Hashem and repaired them. He summoned the Kohanim and the Leviim and assembled them in the east square. He said to them, Listen to me, Leviim, sanctify yourselves, and sanctify the house of God of your fathers, and take the abhorrent things out of the holy place. For our fathers trespassed, and did what displeased Hashem our God. They forsook Him, and turned their faces away from the dwelling place of Hashem, turning their backs on it. They also shut the doors of the porch, and put out the lights. They did not offer incense and did not make burnt offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. The wrath of Hashem was upon Yehuda and Jerusalem. He made them an object of horror, amazement, and hissing, as you see with your own eyes. Our fathers died by the sword, and our sons and daughters and wives are in captivity on account of this. Now I wish to make a covenant with the God of Israel, so that his rage may be withdrawn from us. Now, my sons, do not be slack, for Hashem chose you to attend upon him, to serve him, to be his ministers, and to make offerings to him. So the Leviim set to Mahath, son of Amasai, and Joel, son of Azariah, of the sons of Kehat, and of the sons of Merari, Kish, son of Abdi, and Azariah, son of Jehalel, and the Gershonites, Joah, son of Zima, and Eden, son of Joah, and of the sons of Eliezerphon, Shimri, and Jeel, and of the sons of Asaph, Zachariah, and Mattaniah, and of the sons of Haman, Jechiel and Shimei and of the sons of Jedutun, Shemaiah, and Uziel, and gathering their brothers, they sanctified themselves and came by a command of the king concerning Hashem's ordinances to purify the house of Hashem. The Kohanim went into the house of Hashem to purify it and brought all the unclean things they found in the temple of Hashem out into the court of the house of Hashem. There, The Levim received them to take them outside to Wadi Kidron. They began the sanctification on the first day of the first month. On the eighth day of the month, they reached the porch of Hashem. They sanctified the house of Hashem for eight days, and on the sixteenth day of the first month, they finished. Then they went into the palace of King Hezekiah and said, We have purified the whole house of Hashem, and the altar of burnt offering, and all its utensils, and the table of the bread of display, and all its utensils. And all the utensils that King Achaz had befouled during his reign, when he trespassed, we have made ready and sanctified. They are standing in front of the altar of Hashem. King Hezekiah rose early, gathered the officers of the city, and went up to the house of HaShem. They brought seven bulls, and seven rams, and seven lambs, and seven he-goats, as a sin offering for the kingdom, and for the sanctuary, and for Yehuda. He ordered the Aaronite Kohanim to offer them on the altar of HaShem. The cattle were slaughtered, and the Kohanim received the blood and dashed it against the altar. The rams were slaughtered, and the blood was dashed against the altar. The lambs were slaughtered, and the blood was dashed against the altar. The he-goats for the sin offering were presented to the king and the congregation who laid their hands upon them. The Kohenim slaughtered them and performed the purgation rite with the blood against the altar to expiate for all Israel for the king had designated the burnt offering and the sin offering to be for all Israel. He stationed the Leviim in the house of Hashem with cymbals and harps and lyres, as David and Gad, the king's seer, and Nathan, the Navi, had ordained, for the ordinance was by Hashem through his Neviim. When the Leviim were in place with the instruments of David, and the Kohanim with their trumpets, Hezekiah gave the order to offer the burnt offering on the altar. When the burnt offering began, the song of Hashem and the trumpets began also, together with the instruments of King David of Israel. All the congregation prostrated themselves, the song was sung, and the trumpets were blown. All this until the end of the burnt offering. When the offering was finished, the king and all who were with him knelt and prostrated themselves. King Hezekiah and the officers ordered the Leviim to praise Hashem in the words of David and Asaph the seer. So they praised rapturously and they bowed and prostrated themselves. Then Hezekiah said, Now you have consecrated yourselves to Hashem. Come." Bring sacrifices of well-being and thanksgiving to the house of HaShem. The congregation brought sacrifices of well-being and thanksgiving, and all who felt so moved brought burnt offerings. The number of burnt offerings that the congregation brought was 70 cattle, 100 rams, 200 lambs, all these for burnt offerings to HaShem. The sacred offerings were 600 large cattle and 3,000 small cattle. The Kohanim were too few to be able to flay all the burnt offerings, so their kinsmen, the Leviim, reinforced them till the end of the work, until the rest of the Kohenim sanctified themselves. The Leviim were more conscientious about sanctifying themselves than the Kohenim. For beside the large number of burnt offerings, there were the fat parts of the sacrifices of well-being and the libations for the burnt offerings. So the service of the house of HaShem was properly accomplished. Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced over what HaShem had enabled the people to accomplish, because it happened so suddenly. Romans fourteen, one 1-23 Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. For God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Yeshua died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, We will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will declare allegiance to Yahweh. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and to fall. I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Yeshua that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat, but if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Yeshua died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Yeshua with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Lust are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Psalm 24, 1-10 The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths, who may climb the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place. Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies, they will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. Open up, ancient gates, open up, ancient doors, and let the King of Glory enter. Who is the King of Glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord invincible in battle? Open up, ancient gates, open up, ancient doors, and let the King of Glory enter. Who is the King of Glory, the Lord of Heaven's armies? He is the king of glory. Proverbs 20, verse 12. Ears to hear and eyes to see, both are gifts from the Lord. I'd like to speak to you today from our Torah portion from Deuteronomy 11, and then we're going to jump into Second Chronicles 29. I want to begin with verse 12, where it is written, It is a land which Hashem, your God, looks after, on which Hashem, your God, always keeps his eye from years beginning to years end. So in the previous two verses, there's a contrast between what it's like to live in Egypt and what it's like to live in the promised land. And in Egypt, they would plow and make ditches and do irrigation so that their food and their crops would grow. But in the promised land, it says in verse 11, the land you're about to cross into and possess is a land of hills and valleys and soaks up water from the rains of heaven. In other words, when you're going to grow your crops, you're going to have to absolutely depend upon and trust in the God of Israel to send the rain. So it's not by your own doing with irrigation and ditches and man-made contraptions, but it's trusting the Lord to send the rain. In verse 12, the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. This is the only time the Bible tells us how Hashem spends His time. From the beginning of the year until the end, it says the Creator of the universe focuses His eyes and attention on Israel. If we combine this idea with that mentioned in verse 22, instructing us to walk in Hashem's ways and hold fast to Him, we must likewise keep our eyes focused on Eretz Israel, from year's beginning to year's end. This verse inspired Rabbi Tule Weiss to start Israel 365, which enables hundreds of thousands of people all over the world to connect with Israel each and every day of the year. Continuing on in this very same chapter, um, there are some really famous verses that are often spoken on the Sabbath in Messianic congregations all over the world. But there's a connection that I want to bring out to you. So in verse 18, it says, Therefore, impress these words upon your very heart. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them serve as a symbol on your forehead. Teach them to your children diligently reciting them when you stay at home and when you are away when you lie down and when you go go up and inscribe them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates to the end that you and your children may endure in the land that Hashem swore to your fathers to assign to them as long as there is a heaven and an earth so now we have an if then statement that follows and here's something that I want you to ponder and consider, that somehow obedience to God's commands causes the land of Israel to flourish, to thrive, to green, to prosper. But disobedience to God's commands in the land causes the land to dry up, to wither, and the inhabitants get vomited out. They get sent out into exile, that there is somehow a connection between keeping God's commands and the land, that the land prospers when we do that, when the Jewish people do that, and the land languishes away when people, the inhabitants, do not keep his word. So, verse 22, If then you faithfully keep All this instruction that I command you, loving HaShem your God, walking in all his ways and holding fast to you, holding fast to him. Here's the then statement. Then, verse 23, HaShem will dislodge before you all these nations. You will dispossess nations greater and more numerous than you. Verse 24, every spot on which your foot treads shall be yours. Your territory shall extend from the wilderness to the Lebanon and from the river, the Euphrates to the Western Sea. So he's saying, when you keep my commands, you're going to possess the land and it's going to prosper. It's going to be greened up. Now we can actually see this prophecy unfolding in a very major way right now. There's a YouTube video that I want to highly recommend to you to go and watch. And if you go to YouTube and you search for Nations Ninth of Av and find that channel, Nations Ninth of Av, there is a video. Um, it's called An Exciting Night with Jeremy Gimpel. An Exciting Evening with Rabbi Jeremy Gimpel. If you type that into the search box on YouTube, An Exciting Evening with Rabbi Jeremy Gimpel, you will find it. And he tells a riveting, fascinating story of how he and his wife and children and then his dear friend Ari Abramovitz came to live on a mountain, a desolate mountain in the Judean wilderness. And they sold their house. They put everything they owned into this to develop this mountain. And when they got there, it was just thorns and weeds and rocks and desert soil. But it's the very place where David wrote the Psalms, was in the Judean wilderness. This is the place where the Psalms were birthed and where they were created. And so they started with next to nothing. And they had a vision the Aragut Farm, that, and they built a house of prayer made out of the very stones of the Judean wilderness up on this mountain. And there were many, many, many obstacles. It was not easy. It was a very difficult, challenging task. Three nations came against them, the Netherlands, Germany, and one other, Denmark, I think, and took them to the Supreme Court of Israel to defy them to say no, you can't build on this mountain, and so they had a lot of pushback. It's an incredible story, and um, he tells about how the initial settlers who came to Israel um, at the turn of world War, at the end of World War II, a lot of them were atheists. They were secular, and they had no connection to the God of Israel at all. And they began to settle the land. But now many, many more of the Jewish people are turning to the God of Israel and they are developing the land, growing crops, planting, building, constructing, raising goats and sheep and, and all of that. And, and they're doing it as unto the God of Israel. There's a connection between their faith in the God of Israel and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then the work that they've been called to in the land. There's an intimate connection between the people of God and the land. So I encourage you to listen to that uh, YouTube clip. It's well it's not a clip it's a full length presentation that he gives it's very powerful and it really gives you a glimpse as to what is god doing now in the land of israel and he is in the process of restoring the people to the land and he's doing a marvelous marvelous work now i want to jump into first or second chronicles chapter 29 and In 2 Chronicles 29, verse 6, it is written, For our fathers trespassed and did what displeased HaShem our God. They forsook Him and turned their faces away from the dwelling place of HaShem, turning their backs on it. Okay, so we just talked about a principle. When the inhabitants of the land were disobedient to the God of Israel and to His word, to His covenants, to His Torah, what happened? They end up getting exiled and going into captivity, and the land languishes. The land withers away and becomes desolate. And when they return to the God of Israel and begin to seek his face and return to His Torah, the land, they they return to the land, they return to God, and the land begins to green up and to prosper and to be blessed. So now, verse 9, jump down to verse 9, our father's So what did they do? They trespassed, did what displeased God. They forsook him. And what happens? Verse 9. Our fathers died by the sword, and our sons and daughters and wives are in captivity on account of this. So there's a deeper principle here. Literally, yes, they went into exile. They were evicted out of the land, out of God's dominion. But this is also true at a deeper spiritual level, that if you or I, if we get into some kind of sin, a lifestyle of sin, then we go into captivity to that sin, whether that sin is an addiction to a drug, an addiction to pornography, a broken marriage because of betrayal and treachery, um, Sin leads to destruction and it leads to captivity. Whatever it is that we worship, we are a slave to it. So we can either be a slave to our flesh and a slave to our sin, or we can be a slave to Yeshua, our Messiah, a love slave slave, or a bond servant. So um, I prefer, and I hope you do too, I prefer to be a bond servant, a love slave of Yeshua. To follow him, to walk in his ways. Now let's jump, let's go forward and look at verse twenty nine from Second Chronicles twenty nine, where it is written When the offering was finished the king and all who were with him knelt and prostrated themselves, and the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows Hezekiah institutes great reform in the kingdom of Yehuda. He abolishes the idolatry established by his father, Ahaz, reopens and cleanses the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, brings back the Kohenim and the Leviim, and reinstitutes the sacrificial offerings to Hashem. After the offerings are brought, the people knelt and prostrated themselves to Hashem. Once the Beit HaMikdash has been rededicated to the worship of God through true sacrifices offered with a willing heart, HaShem's presence returns to the Beit HaMikdash, necessitating prostration. Similarly, in our lives, God rests among those who are willing to sacrifice of themselves for Him. That's all I have for today. Have a blessed day, and we will see you tomorrow. Ye adonai vish marekka yea adonai pana Vikunneh ka isa adonai. Laav hileka. Vayaseh leka leka shahu.